Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzary Financial Services. Notre Dame defeats Florida State 42-13. to Strong performance by Notre Dame's running game. I don't think any of us anticipated that. Brandon Wimbush gets the start ahead of injured Ian Book and does a really nice job in the first half. Everything that he needed to do in order to put Notre Dame in position to pretty much cruise in the second half. Notre Dame now 10-0. and we're awaiting Tuesday's uh, decision by the playoff committee, but we fully expect that Notre Dame will remain third heading into the Syracuse game. Guys, um, I don't know about you, but I did not expect 365 yards rushing, and I think that that's a really good sign to be able to make that kind of progress in a running game in the 10th game of the season. Yeah, I, I thought that it would be a real struggle. I think I 23-13 was my prediction, um, and then they jumped all over them right away, and, you know, I you know, without Florida State's first turnover, then, you know, maybe the game is, you know, a 14-point game at least, but they, they whipped them. And for the offensive line to play as well as they did was was shocking to me. I mean, uh, it, it goes beyond surprise yeah. uh, because they just they just hadn't been that efficient. I mean, Florida State, no tackles for loss for the first time in a game since the national championship game against Michael Vick um, at the end of the 1999 season. Which is crazy. Uh, Dexter Williams, the most rushing yards against Florida State since 82. 82, 82. I believe, yeah. Um, that's insane. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Because it's not like he had 350. That's amazing. So to do that with, you know, Kramer in for Ruland, who's got an elbow, that's a minor injury for Banks in his, what, third, third start. Um, you know, Eichenberg in his 10th start against, uh, you know, Brian Burns and a, a pretty talented defensive line. That was. That was really impressive. Brian Burns looks good in a football uniform. Yeah. He's got he's yeah. gonna play on Sunday. Yeah. They uh that's the type of offensive line performance and running a performance that can carry Notre Dame into a really competitive game with Clemson because they are going to give up stuff. So that's kind of my theory is that these you're not gonna dominate on every play. Dexter Williams, I think, got stuffed eleven times in that game with two hundred and two yards rushing. Because <laughs> when you get when that when you're getting those stuffs, defenses, most of them, it's because they are committing to trying to stop right. the run on certain plays, and that's when you break free. And that's what Notre Dame needs to do. They're gonna that's why when people said against Northwestern they ran too much, there is no such thing. <laughs> In, co- in college, I think football, there's a th- fine line there, there, but there, I there hear probably where you're is. But from. that's how you that's how you break a team is by running and running and running. You don't get this many yards because you right. just decide to read the defense once in a while and carry it 26 right. times. I in thought, the game. yeah, I thought Tommy Kramer played an excellent game. Yeah. I thought Aaron Banks, <coughs> as good as he looked against Navy and as ineffective as he looked against Northwestern, I thought he looked very good again. Your Kramer point, and I wanted to bring this up, is in a perfect world, he's the starter that. Trevor Rulin barely spells because the the Tommy Kramer level talent that they thought they were developing is different. Well, now you, we hadn't seen it. Yeah, no, but. exactly. When he when he bends his knees, when he stays on his feet, when he doesn't lunge, when he gets his weight underneath him, you know, I mean, all the fundamental things. And I, you know, you can say he's not even halfway through his college career, right, right. which is which is accurate. So you know, maybe that's a breakthrough. I, I you know, every guy. Some more distinct than others, but every athlete at some point has that game that takes him to the next level. You would think that if we're going to, you know, point back to a game in Tommy Kramer's career at Notre Dame, that has a chance to be the one. Yeah, or maybe it was just a really good game. Maybe, maybe it was. Do you kind of agree that you need him to be? You just it'd be better if Tommy Kramer could be the Tommy, the best out of Tommy Kramer. Yeah, because physically he has Mm -hmm. all the tools that 
you know, Trevor Ruland is, is good technically and yeah. knows where to be, and that's that's great. Great well, backup against to have too. Christian Wilkins and that's what I mean. yeah. Dexter yeah. Lawrence. That, now, that That's not going to cut it. Right. Now, Trevor Ruland against Syracuse, maybe sure. that's a better yeah. matchup. <laughs> yeah, USC as well. Um, I mean, those are those are good things to have. But uh, I think we're sort of we're reviewing Notre Dame's season in a couple different perspectives. One is the next two games, and then yes. the other yeah. one is the two games potentially after that. And those are those are two different Worlds. ways to view it. Um, you know, I thought Dexter Williams was was excellent. You know, you mentioned the stuffs. This was actually his second most in terms of rush efficiency, his second best game to Stanford. Um, it was better than Navy, and it's typically Notre Dame running backs have all torn apart yeah. Navy, but rarely do they do that against somebody like Florida State. Um, and it I, it was interesting looking statistically that they're actually averaging more rushing attempts per game this year than last year by like a third of a carry. But I think if you told most fans that they're actually running the ball more this year than last year, almost everyone would be would be quite surprised. More plays, quicker tempo and more plays. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, they have a lot more pass yeah. plays, but you have a passing quarterback now in a way that you haven't before. So there's be a temptation to throw the ball more and Chip Long has not succumbed to that temptation. Good for him. You know, yes. this, yeah. the interesting thing, uh, I thought this was interesting. I dug it up. When You know, you look at, and because Tariko said it, Tariko, when, uh, when Dexter Williams snapped off the 58-yard touchdown run, he talked about how many big plays Notre Dame's had in the last two years. So I went and looked at last year, and 30-yard, 40-yard, 50-yard plays, Notre Dame was in the top 10 or 12 mm-hmm. in all of those categories. So they're not that explosive this year in, in that respect. But they still are in the top 20 in 10-yard runs plus, 20-yard runs plus. So, in other words, not not just runs, plays. Plays, yeah. So anything between 10 and 29 yards, they're still among the nation's top 20. I think that's a, clearly that's a reflection of Ian Book entering mm-hmm. the starting lineup and distributing the ball from one sideline to the next. And then Brandon Wimbush doing what he did the other night. Third and 10, takes off and runs for 17 yards. So they're still explosive in those Shorter explosive plays, but not, you know, not the big plays per se. And Alze Mack, we wanted to touch on that. I, he unfortunately didn't come out for, um, they, they, it was senior day. They couldn't bring every senior out. They had stuff to do. But uh, Alze Mack with a quite the final home game for a guy that struggled up until this season, honestly. I mean, Those he had a two- couple moments as a freshman. <laughs> right. <laughs> at, at, at Temple. At Temple. Yeah. And then. There wasn't a lot of that. Remember that game? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the tailgate? At lots Temple of and USC at, at home were yeah. the yeah. two right, big right. plays, right? Yeah, I mean, but that's th- those were remarkable catches. The, the second one I thought was Boykin because of the length and the and the leap and the catch radius, as Bob Diaco would say. Of, I was like, wow, a catch by Boykin again. It was Mac. And Pete, you just compared the first catch to who? Charles Rogers <laughs> at Michigan State where you're, you're basically your entire body is out of the end zone and somehow you can drag one foot in. I, I mean, it was... That's one of the most remarkable plays we've ever seen. It was the Charles yeah. Rogers, yes. Charles Rogers yes. one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like not very few catches will ever top that one. Um, that's the, the one where everyone watching, every Notre Dame fan, that oh, he won't be yeah, on review. Yeah, give me a break. And you look and you're like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you think back to the conversations we had on this podcast in the off season, where were four offensive wild cards: Brandon Wimbush, Alize Mack, Chase Claypool, and Dexter Williams, who have gotten the last three game balls. Dexter Williams, Chase Claypool, Alize Mack last weekend, and then Brandon Wimbush comes in and is good enough to to blow out Florida State, which is which is pretty good. So I mean that Notre Dame has sort of hit all four of those wild cards on offense 
and the end result is they're ten and zero, and it looks like they're. To me, I look at their offense now, not that they're upset proof, but I think that they're good enough on that side of the ball that they're going to be able to score 35 points minimum in each of the next two games, and that's going to be very, very difficult for USC in particular, but probably even for Syracuse. You know, I thought the, um, I think we talked about this, Tim, in our uh, instant analysis after the game, but in in my tail of the tape this week. I thought the goal line stand was hugely significant because if they score there, it's a 35 to 20 game. You hold, uh, but they held them, and then they marched. There was the 12 play all rushing drive. Oh, so it goes from it goes from a 15 point advantage to a 29 point advantage, and we're at that stage of the year. Not that I don't think, not that I really think that Notre Dame needs style points to be in the certainly to be in the playoffs. They're, they're all they need to do is win. But even to hold that number three spot. I don't think they need style points, but with everybody pointing to that, it, it it was hugely significant that they didn't allow Florida State to get twenty points. I thought it was also just micro. They 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 had usually broken on their goal line stand attempts this year. They had many where they've had a couple stops, and then Northwestern got in, Navy got in. It, it's like when you stop it. So what's it's so the That's stat the, now? Tarico said this. Uh, he he said it earlier in the game, but the stat now is that Notre Dame has. Turned it over 13 times offensively, and opponents have scored 24 points off of that. That's that's huge, yeah. man. That's huge. Now the <clears throat> first one, the first uh, the first interception was immediately turned into points, and that was the one thing that Tranquil was bemoaning after the game that you know they didn't they didn't respond well to that sudden change, but they did to the second one, and and. You just don't. You do, Florida State struggling. A, a typical Florida State team, you wouldn't mind if it was thirty-five yeah, to twenty. Yeah, yeah. But that Florida State team, you couldn't allow that extra and they're, touchdown. They're publicly not good either. Everyone knows about it. Right. So you, you can't let the score look like thirty-five to twenty. It's weird, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, I think the style points question is it, it's over now. This was the only game yes. where you could sort of take negative style points. Nobody is going to care how you beat. Syracuse or top fifteen team, and then USC is at the end of the year. I don't. I don't think people are going to like bemoan that either. It Probably just, not. Although it was just you, another like it'll be twelve and zero, so they won't. It it's just, over then. This you know. was another. Pittsburgh is the exception. Florida State, Navy, Wake, Stanford, Virginia Tech. Tech. Those are all the rules. Um, so Florida State goes in the good pile. The good pile is now at six. And the bad pile is at one. I'm tired. I'm lumping this Pre- one with Ian Book. Yes. Like I'm sort of giving Ian Book credit for this performance, even though he didn't play in it. But I'm just saying, like, the reinvented Notre Dame after Vanderbilt yeah. is six really impressive performances and one dud. Well, that's why I don't understand, again, another thing that I address in the tail of the tape, that every week, regardless what the offense does, somebody's bitching and moaning about Chip Long's play calling. You know, I have and, a theory and on that. Somebody was. <laughs> I no so like this yeah be one because week they weren't they said. weren't yeah they weren't running enough up until the twelve play up yeah. until a twelve play ninety seven yard drive I mean what you can't <clears throat> have it every way you can't Maybe, uh, be, you can't average forty points a game and be just methodical and slow that's part of why they're being successful is because of Temple they didn't run as much Temple against Florida State but you know you you can't you. You can't have it both ways. Chip Long is is who's a more dynamic play caller than Chip Long at Notre Dame? I mean, you know, Charlie Weiss came in and the passing game and that took off, and I get it. But 
what is there to complain about? You're averaging 40 points a game with Ian Book as your quarterback, and that's with a 19-point game against Pittsburgh. 50 rushing attempts in the game and 25 passing attempts. I think the first 17 plays, there were 11 passes and six rushes because I'm counting a Wimbush scramble Mm -hmm. as a pass. Um, Maybe people should uh, consider the the possibility that Chip Long is just trolling you. (laughs) I really think that Complaining about the offensive coordinator is kind of a birthright of fans, though. It's the one guy you understand what you can, you think you could just do it, you know, like, well, I just call this play here. Defensively, no one thinks they can set something up and know how to set up the blitz on third and five, right? Uh, I, I think like, at the end of half, like the end of the second half, why are they playing soft defense? <laughs> okay, like, soft defense is um, one. Soft defense is one. You're right. Sometimes yeah. they're right about that, though. And it's a don't field break, goal yeah. Like, yeah. blah, blah. The old uh, back in the. Tom Pagna was was Eric Parsegian's right-hand man, and the phrase he always used when I spoke with him was uh, the sequencing of plays and that you have to understand that there there's going to be a lack of success in order to create greater success two or three plays down the road. And that's chip long to a T, absolutely. And, you know, we're the last ones to, you know, to say run less. No, but no, <laughs> but you, you know there are times where you just if you want to score, it's 2018, man. You got to score points. In this day and age, yeah. there's got to be times where you just start winging it around. And but the thing about the great thing about Chip Long is he still always has a finger on the pulse of the running game that that never that never fully escapes him. And that's in, in this day and age, that's what makes a great offensive coordinator. They're, they this offense is built around the zone read up the middle. And for the most part, those plays are not going like the the median gain of that is probably going to be two yards. But yeah, it, that's it, also how you get fifty eight yards right. from Dexter Williams, and it's also how why the one on one shots down the sideline are open because the safeties have to respect yeah. those plays in the middle. So it's you just go into here's what I would say: if you're watching the Syracuse game, just have like. 10 plays in your mind that are going to get stuffed up the middle. And don't worry about and it. And write those off. Once you get to play 11, you'll be like, ah, guys, I don't really worry about it. <laughs> but like the first 10 plays, just just let it go. Just water, just That's forget the, it. It's the whole idea of play action. <laughs> I mean, play action. There, 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 there's no, in, in, in the game of football, there's no way around that. If you're pounding the ball between the tackles, and you play action, the linebackers have to respect it. And that's how you get, that's how you make inroads elsewhere. We're doing a lot. We're spending a lot of time defending Notre Dame's 365 yeah, yard no, rushing it's performance crazy. right now. All right, we're going to wrap up segment one. Be back <laughs> with questions. Seems like they were good last week. I don't know. <laughs> questions, segment two, coming up. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana. Serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Segment 2 Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller. First question... Not J to fell one. 
Why doesn't Tim O'Malley wear anything heavier than a sports coat while Priester looked like an Eskimo in instant analysis? <laughs> well, you're first. Yeah. I didn't think it was that cold, really. I was going to take my shirt off like Troy Pride, but that would have been frowned upon. Yeah. Uh, I wore the sport coat down to WNDU, too, and the first thing they said was... They make fun of you, down They made fun of me. They made fun right. of me a lot. They said, right. please subscribe to Irish Illustrated. Tim needs a coat. But uh, I just <laughs> didn't think it was that bad. No, it was a short segment of being out there, so I was fine. I'm very concerned about my appearance. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've said it many times. I'm a cold-hearted person, so that explains part of it. And I'm an aging person, and so... My blood runs cold, man. That's just the way it is. I got. I've had that coat for a few years. It is impossible to be cold in that coat. So or move your arms. Or move your arms. I, I am. I am. Uh, I, this is only I'm, defense. I'm George Costanza in my Gore-Tex coat. Only it's not Gore-Tex. Knocking but, over liquor bottles everywhere. Yes, yes. <laughs> People bouncing off of me. Another I love reason, that coat. Another reason is the coat I brought. It was just too. It wasn't the coat you're supposed to wear with sport coats. You know, you're done, like the long trench coat yes. thing. So it looked bad. It looked bad. That was really part of the reason why I didn't wear it. It was yeah. too bulky. I'd, ra- so. I'd rather look bad than be cold. B man <laughs> underscore 2017. What were your thoughts on the green uniforms? I thought they were really nice, but it was impossible to read the numbers from my seat. Did you guys have the same issue from the press box? It was impossible to read the numbers from my seat in the press box. Um, I'm the only person that really wasn't complaining about it because I use binoculars for a lot during the game. So it was not the adjustment everybody else had, but it was impossible to see it. You had no clue. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> you don't I, always use your binoculars, though. So. I don't even have yeah. binoculars, but it was terrible. However, I felt particularly bad for Paul Burmeister, who I talked to before the game, uh, and he point. was just like, "What? What is this? I can't. I can't see anything." Like apparently, Tariko had sent him a text. Like I, I don't know what was in the text exactly, other than just like. <laughs> You're not what? <laughs> what is this? What are they doing? Um, it, the jerseys definitely were not made with the media in mind. That's fine. However, there some thought could have been given to like these are impossible to read. Um, what about it, it next week? So, what color are the numbers this coming week? Terrible. terrible. <laughs> I know that. Is but it I mean, blue on? Is it, yeah. is it blue on white? Hopefully, they're cursive yeah. or something. It's blue on white, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. But they really, I mean, really, we're in the day and age where every game is televised. You know, every game is on radio. You, you really need to. I mean, these are professionals. I'm not even including ourselves in this. It's more. I mean, we can, we can, and I use binoculars all the time too. Yeah. I mean, we can work our way through it. We don't have to be live on TV or radio. It's just unfair to those people. It's unfair to a national broadcast to put those people through. Did you ever talk to Burmeister afterwards or at halftime? Uh, um, I, no, it's just before the game. I think okay. he knew what he was in for. Yeah, I, I can't even. I think someone from Notre Dame came over and just slapped on the back and said, good luck. I can't, I can't even imagine. As for the jerseys themselves, I didn't. And, you know, I'm the last guy to comment on <laughs> You commented a lot for being the last I guy know, to comment I this know, time. I know, I know. A lot of, a lot of fashion talk but in it's segment just a, two. But I've seen a lot of Nordin Green jerseys in my life, and that's a bad color. It doesn't go well with the pants. It just doesn't. The darker green, I keep referring to the darker green that Weiss had, right? Yes. That that Which was they, a great color. They also wore against Army, I believe, yes. with Kelly. Yeah, that's a great color. It it actually it looks like it matches the pants. These and then you throw the blue in it with the white socks and it there's a lot going on there color wise. Yeah, we predated the pinstripe uniforms coming up by a week with all of our discussion about ugly uniforms. I'm looking forward to seeing it for the first time on the field. On Saturday, I still have not fully. At least taken these a, are. A I mean, they're plain. They're uh, they're plain. So yeah. I mean, 
if they're too plain, then so be it. Actually, Florida State's were, you think about it, Florida State's were, were very plain. I mean, the pants are, I think the pants are all white and just a little bit of seminal. Uh, uh, yeah, you could really read the numbers. <laughs> yes, and you can read the numbers, too. What and then names. I mean, incredible. What a concept. Okay, <laughs> at the Free Dirt, whose good performance was more surprising, most surprising? Dalen Hayes or Nick Coleman? Nick, uh. I think Dalen Hayes is doing better than other people do. So Nick Coleman for me. Um, if your expectations of Hayes were that he would be Julian Acquara this year, then you had too high of expectations because Acquara was better than him, and that's why he took the job from him in the spring and never relinquished it. Hayes has been good on third down for me. I keep track of who makes the play. It's the simplest thing in the world. Who makes the play to win on third down? And Acquara is far and away number one because of pressures and coming around the edge. He has 18. Coney is 15. Then there's three guys... Tillery, Tranquil, and Hayes are all at 10, and Khalid Kareem's at 8. So that's, that's he's with Tillery, Tranquil, and ahead of Kareem on he's third in down. Up, he's in the upper pack. Yeah, that's a good effort. Now, Nick Coleman, I did not expect, I, I think, we're going to have a question on this later, but I, it, this is going to be a, a different conversation next week, possibly, about who played well. <laughs> yeah, I, hugely significant that, that Nick Coleman played well at this time of year with what's on the line. You'd rather have a... Senior out there with that started every game last year, or twelve yeah. out of thirteen, and uh, that's the most significant one, I think. Because I think Hayes is fine; he's the distant fourth best defensive right. lineman of the four. You know, that's which is fine. Which is yeah. fine. I, Coleman was more to the other three. Yeah, Coleman was more surprised. I thought I thought Dalen Hayes played one of his better games. I would agree with that. Uh, but Coleman's is more important to the, the grand scheme of of this team. It's bizarre to me that I mean. If, you just sort of look at what they're doing defensively uh, with their nickel package and dime package. It, the personnel shuffling would lead you to believe that they're scrambling and they don't have a lot of confidence in, in who's out there. The production would suggest otherwise. They're, I think, sixth nationally in pass efficiency defense, or at mm-hmm. least they're in the mm-hmm. top ten. It's so six, much from the rush, pass six, rush. I mean, but it yeah. all fits together, sure, right? Sure, of course. Six pass touchdowns allowed all year. I think it's Mississippi State and App State have Correct. allowed five, the only ones that are better. Um, I mean, the production is there. It all fits together. It's an 11-man outfit. Like, your dime defense isn't just the, the five or six mm-hmm. defensive backs. Um, but Nick Coleman as a solution is at nickel. I don't know why... This didn't register as a that's as a possibility I, that's because that's how they started the year it, against Michigan. But I mean, he had he had really been benched. Yeah, that's since. why it didn't register. I mean, his his snaps. What game he didn't Vanderbilt? He didn't play at all. Or Wake, what? So Wake Wake, Wake was he against, got okay. he got benched against Wake, and the other one. See, he took a a DNP on defense against Pittsburgh and Northwestern. He had eight defensive snaps against Virginia Tech and two against Stanford. This is not somebody that the coaching staff has been like, oh, I think he's getting close to getting back So he's either hurt, which Kelly denied at one point, or he's just practicing really, really poorly during the week. He's on coverage units, though, so he can't be that hurt. That's true. That's true. I don't think he's hurt again. I mean, I think they they just see the upside with Houston Griffith, and they're like sort of waiting for it to come out. Maybe they're at the point in the year like, yeah. It's like Myron Tagovailoa's fifth year of eligibility in 2021. <laughs> that's not really the point anymore. <laughs> it's not at all. That's so, like, the... getting Houston Griffith on a fast track is not really important. I, I met someone mentioned, like, oh, it's perfect to be back for USC. They're preserving his eligibility. No, he just can't play before USC. Exactly. They would love to have him play this yes. week and blow that year of eligibility against Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. 
because I, that's the point of the sport. You know, I, who knows how the kid feels about it? But I mean, a chance to contribute to a to a playoff to get to the playoffs, a chance for a national title. I would imagine he would yes. much rather be out there now. Brian Kelly, mm-hmm. in four years from now, for Hungvalo Amosa, what does he care? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, be a coach. that's what I mean. And that's just logic. It has yeah. nothing to do with our commentary. It's <laughs> there's another one on Dracovic. Like, why would you put him in for a couple? Because he needs to get in there in case he has to play against Syracuse. If Phil Dracovic is any good whatsoever, he is not here for a fifth year. Absolutely That is not. the number one thing we have to drive home about quarterbacks, Notre Dame and everywhere else. He's going to throw, I and mean. running backs. Yeah, and running backs, yeah. <laughs> it's Hit it. D, Dan Bryan, 21. I thought the offensive line played its best game on Saturday. How encouraged are you that Notre Dame will be able to run and score on Syracuse no matter who the quarterback is? Uh, pretty encouraged. They've had some gains. We'll get more into this on Thursday, obviously, but they gave up 200 yards rushing to Louisville. Um, and that's not very good. Although they did they stop. They might have been just trying to hang Yeah, out. I mean, they did, yeah, they did <laughs> stop. They did stop, uh, NC State's running, rushing game. North Carolina had 179. Pittsburgh had Pittsburgh a had 265 yeah. and, 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 uh, really plowed them. But Pittsburgh can do that to you. They had success against Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson had 293. So, I mean, good teams generally have had success running the football against them. I think the greater issue is how Notre Dame stopped Syracuse's running game because it is good. It's it's over 200 yards a game. But uh, Notre Dame should be able to run the football, especially coming off that performance last week. My concern would be Syracuse is pretty good on third down, is in top six in the country on third down, which is an odd stat to me because they're just ahead of Clemson and Alabama and Michigan. In that regard, um, I don't know if that's scheme or heck, some really nice plays in nickel. But uh, if Ian Book's out there, I think Notre Dame will light them up <coughs> running the ball because you have to obviously the extension of the running game and, and everything else he can do. And then I would be concerned about Notre Dame on, in some situations with Wimbush still. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Offensively, I don't I don't understand how Florida State was trying to defend Notre Dame on Saturday because. Brian Kelly talked about this after the game that it was one of the few instances where like they sort of had a fair numbers in the box where you know it was six on six. Mm-hmm. Why in the world are you not overloading the box with Brandon Wimbush yeah, at quarterback? That, that makes absolutely no sense it, to me. It might be why a team with 105 stars is four and six. Yeah, or it's why they can't kick a field goal at the end of the half. <laughs> yes. The clock runs out. Yeah. Um, so I I don't think Notre Dame's offensive line is as good as what it showed on Saturday because it's not going to play a dysfunctional team the next two weeks. Well, well certainly not the next yeah. weekend. <laughs> but teams are going to put an extra man in the box, and that's fine if Ian Book is your quarterback. That's how Florida State should have played Notre Dame on Saturday. I'm just baffled why they did not. Have, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't understand that at all. Have we talked about Ian Book yet here today? No, we can just address them right now. I think we should because the question is about quarterback, and we do at this point, at this moment, expect him to play. Now, I'm I'm saying it that way because information. Yeah, I mean, information changes, a a recovery changes. And so when on Thursday we were thinking that Ian Book wouldn't play against Syracuse, well, he's progressed. And And not Brian Kelly information from Saturday night information from no Saturday beyond night. that yeah, <laughs> yeah. beyond yeah. that yeah. because we don't we're not going to put a lot of weight many times because Brian Kelly can I under, we understand the situations he's in many yeah. times in talking about injuries but uh it appears that 
And the way Brian Kelly said it is that if everything progresses the way they expect it to, he'll be practicing on Tuesday and he'll be starting on Saturday. Pretty important update will probably come for Thursday's podcast and even Friday night, I would guess, with the invoke situation. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the practice is the significant part. Mm -hmm. Um, The preparation is is part of being ready to play. Um, So if he practices on Tuesday, that's really significant. Yeah, I guess he's not going to hit in this practice this week, obviously. There's not going to be a... You're going to be kidding on him. um, Well, no quarterback ever is. But you can... You can run into a. You can yeah. tax yourself a little more if you're not being totally protected right. by this. Right. So I mean, that's again that we'll check with sources throughout mm-hmm. the week to see what's actually going on at the in book, and probably have a pretty good idea when we record our our podcast on Thursday, and that will be irrespective of whatever Brian Kelly says on Thursday night. Like I think that's that's the information that will be most significant. At JJ Allwine, can you project the status of seniors with fifth year eligibility? And I will read a name and we'll respond. Okay. Starting with Miles Boykin. Mm, I mean, I heard leaning towards back, but I'm not so sure. After actually asking him about it himself <laughs> on Wednesday, I would think he's going to put his name in and. Even if he gets to stay in school, great. I could. I, I would guess Miles Boykin gives it a shot. He 100% puts his name in. Of course. He's a senior. I mean, uh, then, yeah. I had heard, I think we said this last week, I had heard the opposite of what you heard, Pete, mm-hmm. um, that he's definitely interested in that. And my personal opinion is that, <laughs> sorry, Notre Dame fans, but he's playing himself out of a, yeah, a, a, I, the 2019 season. My view of Boykin is I think he's going to give it a shot, could make it. And if he doesn't, he's not going to be, like, totally – Regretful that he made the decision, he'll move on with life and he'll be ready to roll because he's he'll be on an NFL yeah. roster. Yeah, yeah. And, and that doesn't really coming back. I don't think helps it. It can help your draft stock, but I don't yeah. know how much yeah. it just helps him stick. Chris Fink back, hundred percent. Yes. Uh, LZ Mack gone, gone. Uh, Trevor Ruland back, back, back. Brandon Wimbush gone, gone. Asmar Bilal back, yeah, back. back. Sean Crawford definitely back, back. definitely back. Mike could do Treadway. Probably not. Probably the number. Probably. He might be the only numbers game that, that's ever participated that gets a numbered out. Yeah, I mean, this was like the question about who's back and who's not is really about who's on your roster, who's in your recruiting class. Yeah. I mean, my my roster projection, let's say they get um, Isaiah Foskey to commit and then cut it at 20 for the, the freshman class. If you looked at that roster, if, you would in, if Wimbush is off it, if Boykin is on it, Think is on it. Ruland is on it. Dutreadway is off. Bilal's on. Bilal is on. All three junior defensive ends return. Julian Love returns. You're still at 90 scholarship players. Um, so that's Dutreadway could be like the, your guy yeah. on the cut line. Did I leave my buy out? I don't think nope, I did. I, I mean, really, it's I like the, probably the better question is does Love return for a senior year? Yeah. I think <laughs> probably not. I would think he'll get a good grade. Yeah. How could you not give him a good that's, grade? That's what I mean. Everything yes. he does, he does well. Uh, at, he, how would you say that? Key and Jay. Okay, Key and Jay. How concerned are you that Nordham hasn't really put together a full 60 minutes of dominant football this year? They seem to sleepwalk through a quarter every game. They didn't sleepwalk against Michigan or Stanford. Michigan's defensive line started to assert itself. Nordham had a lead, and Brandon Woodbush couldn't beat Michigan anymore like he was doing early. You, sometimes are, the other team is really good. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> but are you concerned they haven't put together 60 minutes of dominant football? Well, Stanford was a really good game, right? Yeah. I'm, no, I'm not. Yeah. Virginia Tech is, uh, I mean, there was a, he threw a pick, but they made a play. Ian Book didn't. 
I mean, you know, I, they you should, they should have dominated Ball State for sixty minutes. They didn't, but it doesn't matter that anymore. Irrelevant. I mean, it just every, every you know every, some yeah. some yeah. games just don't. Yeah, it, it just doesn't matter. I think at the time Vanderbilt, you know, with Brandon Wimbush as the quarterback, that was the that was the game that man that could have. That really could imagine if Notre Dame was sitting at. Imagine if Lipscomb good. makes that yeah, catch. They were never losing, and Elliott doesn't game. break I mean, it up, and they they're sitting here at nine and one, having lost to Vanderbilt. That is the closest loss. That is the closest potential loss. I, I know. Think, is Vanderbilt. It's amazing. Not Pittsburgh. It's amazing. Pete, I your thought, feelings on? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were more likely to lose to Vanderbilt. Your than Pittsburgh. feelings on sixty minutes and not being dominant? Don't care. Okay. <laughs> Outstanding, by the way. All right. Meninti. How would you rank the play of the D-line of late? Run game has seemed during the game to be suspect, but at the end of the game, the stats always say otherwise. Also, Heinish and Ade seem to have really come out of late. That's a product of development, or are we seeing them more on the field than earlier in the year? Well, Heinish Heinish was on the field. Heinish has made an impact every game, in in my opinion. By the way, I've requested to speak to him this week, so I think we're going to actually have him for an interview. Yeah, 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 he would too. Uh, Ogundeje has, I mean, I think he's effective just about every game. He was effective this past game. It's usually in small quantities. He doesn't get a lot of snaps, but I think he's been good. As far as the the D-line, I I spoke about it last week. I wrote about Tail of the Tape this week. I just don't. Now, okay, Florida State. Because Notre Dame was in so much dime and because they keep Tranquil on the field, Tranquil was not in the box a good portion of the time. So now you have now you have Coney trying to find a run fit without his running mate right next to him. And I thought he ran himself out of some run fits and that hurt them at times. But I just don't think I just don't think Jerry Tillery is getting off Jerry Tillery penetrates, but I don't think he's getting off blocks and making many plays. He has he has 28 tackles in 10 games, and I'm the, I, I totally understand you don't measure a defensive lineman by his number right. of tackles. But if you're talking about great de- three techniques, you can't have 28 tackles after 10 games. I think you have to get off of stuff. But I also think that sometimes Coney and Tranquil are a little overly aggressive and miss some run fits. So I think it's a combination of things. Brian Kelly disagreed with me last week. He flat out said that they played great between the tackles uh, defensively. I think this is this is a game that really really concerns me with Syracuse based upon what they haven't been able to do between the tackles defensively lately. That's I mean that's an interesting outlook on it. I, I don't I don't disagree, but um, I, I I can't say that I've like watched Jerry Tillery that closely. Um, but I mean it's I think Notre Dame's run defense has been fine fine to good. Um, I I would use those yeah. terms, sure. But at some point, like Pitts, it's like Pittsburgh had some decent rushing. Now yeah, Pittsburgh, like, apparently has a incredible rushing offense. Yes. Um, that Notre Dame just made look okay. But I mean, they they had they found some but, success against. But Notre Northwestern Dame. had some success against yeah. Notre Dame between the tackles, and Florida State just I, had. I success would be more them. concerned with Syria. Well, that's ridiculous. Other than the USC at this point, it's weird comparisons, yeah. but. Syracuse is going to make Notre Dame play nickel and dime too, and that's Absolutely. where the success is coming. Now, if they line up again, if if they get another, there's not another Pittsburgh type uh, possible opponent out there unless they somehow play Michigan. Or if you can line up, and Notre Dame can play its base a lot, I do not worry about Notre Dame's interior run defense. There's USC. Yeah, I here's, do worry about the nickel. Here's what I, the um, against Northwestern. I haven't done the Florida State mm-hmm. charting and everything. Northwestern Notre Dame's base defense. Northwestern ran it 24 times for 84 yards, 
3.5 yards per carry. That doesn't include sack yardage. That's a that's a winning every stat. Time. Every Absolutely. Time. Um, Pittsburgh was 26 carries for 118 yards, 4.5. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's if, a that's, if it's not Pittsburgh, it's a losing stat. Yeah, yeah, that's a you're just okay. Um, and I I do think I mean you go back to early in the year, Michigan against the base was 3.5 yards. Ball State, 2.5. Vandy was 4.4. Even Wake had some success, but there was some garbage time in there. Yeah, there was a lot of garbage time. Um, So Michigan now would be like 7.5, right? I mean, maybe maybe we're sort of like (laughs) over... uh, I I think Priester's probably not, but like maybe we, the the royal collective, we following Notre Dame football, maybe overrates Notre Dame's run defense a little bit. And whereas you're saying like, hey, there's something to be yeah, concerned about. especially this week. That, I, yeah. I, yeah. Especially as it applies to this week. And I've kind of been kind of pointing to that because it's Syracuse, we think of Syracuse as a pass-first offense because they, they spread the field. They I think the splits of their offensive linemen are probably a little bit wider than most, but they, that's how they gash you is by spreading you out and then running the football. I'm concerned about their nickel and dime rush D, and I'm not about their base. Is basically, how I, would, I, I mean, yeah. I would generally I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, and, but, you I, but Alabama's base. But I mean, that's, that's kind of how we felt from day one, right? Yeah. And I think maybe that's how Brian Kelly answers your question in that situation because he just thinks of my rush D can hold up. But <laughs> yeah, and I was asking him a question the day after <laughs> on a Sunday, the day after, after a, win. a big yeah. win on the road and. So I think it probably struck him wrong. But um, uh, Factor 37. There we go. What were your thoughts on the nickel package with Coleman? Despite keeping the points down, it seemed as if there were opportunities for plays to be made by Florida State in both the run and the pass, dropped passes notwithstanding. Could those openings cause problems versus Syracuse? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and there, there were drop passes. I mean, Tamori and Terry well, was, wrong was cold. He was cold. He was cold. was wrong with them. Yeah, he was cold. They, 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 he dropped a bunch <laughs> of passes. A couple other guys did too. Um, it's concerning. I mean, I, you know, Nick Coleman had a good game. Has he arrived? I don't know about that, but he had a good game against Florida State. That's the mouthy one, too, Terry. Did you know that? Well, man, <laughs> he w- really is. Watch, watch Gilman again. Gil- oh, Gilman. Watch Gilman again coming back from from defending DJ Matthews along the sideline. They're they're kind of like you know they like two guys going for a jog on a <laughs> yeah. Saturday morning. And Terry and uh, and Matthews didn't say anything, but Gilman's talking up a storm, man. Yeah, he likes. He Matthews likes. wanted his headphones in on that jog. Let's see, CMU Pens fan, back to back ten win seasons for Notre Dame for the first time since 1993. Honest assessment: Did any of you gentlemen see this possible after the disaster of 2016? I would have guessed. Well, we I've had nine and nine, so ten and ten. I would not have thought would happen. I thought ten. Could happen one of the two, of course. It's the back-to-back thing that's impressive. Um, we both, I think we all talked about it when they are. Are they going to keep Brian Kelly? It, it, my, my number was, if you keep Brian Kelly or hire a new coach, your goal, baseline, minimal goal at Notre Dame is 29 wins in three years. Um, that's because, I, you, you should, look, that's 29 and 10, man. It's not that impossible to get to, right? Yeah. Um, they're going to get there, and things really go south, and I'm impressed that they did back-to-back 10 wins after four. So, I would not have said. I can tell you one thing. I would not have said back to back ten wins going into last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean to say to, uh, back to yeah, they're going to win. They went four and eight. They're going to win ten games back to back years for the first time in even since after early watching night. them in camp in August seventeen when I raised it to nine. I would not have said back to back ten. Wins but I seasons. but I will say this. Yeah, I will say this. I, and and we noted it. The a the amount of talent lost off that team in twenty fifteen was significant. And b in twenty sixteen they lost by. Three in overtime, eight, three, seven, seven, one, 
three, and then 18 the last game of the year. When you're losing by single digits, as bad as they looked at times, you're not as far away as you think. Back-to-back 10 wins? No, I wasn't thinking that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to relitigate 2016. Like the, the margin of victory wasn't the issue, or the margin of defeat wasn't the issue for me. Um, but I, I guess the point is, like, uh, this Florida State team could be 4-8. They're way worse 4-8 than that. Right, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, like, yeah that's the way that tw- 2007 Notre Dame was a lot worse than 2016 right. Notre Dame. Right. Um, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not I'm not making, I'm not making, you know, I because that that's a, that's a crazy argument. The close look at all the close losses. Look at that close loss home to Duke. Right, but but when you know when you're losing yeah. like that, and coupled with the, the amount of talent that we know walked out the door after 2015, but never would have thought back to back. No, no, absolutely. I mean they're going to be two years, twenty two and four. That's that's really impressive. I mean, forget that 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 goes beyond the back to back ten wins. Like if you can throw a twelve win in there, that is because. I think when we were discussing after 2016, if you dumped Brian Kelly, yep. would you be better or worse? I mean, I think we all assumed that they could have hired almost insert random central casting coach and they would have won nine or ten games last year. What they're doing this year right. is really impressive and a huge compliment to Brian Kelly's staff, the reorganization. I mean, how often do – I mean, we're going through, like, the hot seat with other coaches right now. How often do coaches – can both coordinators then survive? That I feel like that almost never works. Somebody put that on the board, I remember. I don't remember. It's a long-time poster. I wish I remembered exactly who it was. He said, how often has this worked? What they did in so t- after rare. 2016, keep the coach, fire everybody else, and let's see what happens. And I was like, man, that's a tough one to, to conceive of yeah. happening. Well, it just worked, for sure. And uh, Bobby Petrino is not on the list next well, year of coaches ranked ahead <laughs> of Brian Kelly, by the way. And you no. made, and, yeah. I mean, and you made great hires. Mike Elko was a great hire. Uh, Chip Long was a great hire. I, I don't know that anybody. I certainly don't think that Jack Swarbrick realized that he had Clark Lee waiting in the weeds. Matt Bayless in the wings. was a great hire. As a, Matt Bayless was a tremendous hire. I went. This is probably a topic for another time. This is running long, but I went back and looked at Bayless in November um, when he's with a contender. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, that's Urban basically because of Utah two years and Florida two years. Thir- Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, thirteen to one with Urban. And a better winning percentage with Mississippi State than compared to the season. If that's, that makes sense. And that's the you, way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, because you can't, obviously. Right. And with a contender, you just have to win. That's why when I said if Notre Dame loses, <laughs> it's still a great year, but it's debilitating. You have to win all your November games when you're, the, when you're running for the national title. Yeah. Run Tremendous title. hires. Uh, Irish I was tailgating. How much has Syracuse's defense improved since they gave up 42 points and 621 yards to Western Michigan to open the season? You'd have to think a little with the 621 yards allowed, right? <laughs> but yeah. just that logic. But uh, that's that's quite a number, man. They can I, I, hey, they can it. they can rush the quarterback. I think we yeah. mentioned this some somewhere along the line. That's probably they, why they get off the field on third down, right? Because they can rush the quarterback. Uh, right. They are ninth in the country in sacks and sixth in third down third down defensive efficiency. Those are two usual indicators of better D than they have actually overall played, though. Yeah, I'm surprised that they gave up 42 points and 621 yeah. yards to Western Michigan. So then I would have to say, yes, they've definitely improved. Lee, yeah. Well, first game of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. first game of the year is, is that never so long ago. Sometimes the first God. game of the year doesn't even count if you think yeah. about no, it. No, so. it still counts. So Western Michigan not, didn't lose that game, I guess. Good for them. Iverson fan 14, what are your thoughts on Alizé Mack's career production versus what you expected of him as a recruit? Has the light finally come on this season, and how much will it affect his draft status? Uh, lower. Then, as I project him as a recruit, it has come on late. And I don't know, I'll 
affect his draft status, but those two catches don't oh. don't lose you money. You know I, that? And I'm telling <laughs> so, you, the, the way he consistently blocks is, yeah, is he's a way, way underrated. I, I, he's he a is, full year late from what I had thought. I thought he would have this type of year last year. You think the, I, you think the NFL cares about? No, his body. No, I think they care what he's now. What, he's what now. he is now? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's been less than I expected, but I I will say this was like coming in as a recruit, kind of like yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there were red flags about you and Jake Brown both said there were red flags. Yeah, on playing yeah. through injuries and like mm-hmm. it, you kind of felt like there was it's always something going on. Um, you know, it's basically his maturity issues and. I think Mac has admitted that. Certainly Kelly's talked about it. Um, it just he needed to grow up, and it, it took maybe a little bit longer than he would have liked or Notre Dame would have liked. I mean, certainly he missed a season um, because yeah, of that, it. Yeah, that hurts. That, he, that's a tough one for him. Yeah. I just thought he'd have a better year. He had a bad year last year, which is weird that Alizé Mack would have a bad year. Right? I, could, so, I guess the best way to look is like the coaching staff, after being highly frustrated with him, is proud of him. Like yeah. they're proud of the way he's he's got his stuff together, and that that's that's, that's why he got the game a, ball when Dexter Williams had two hundred yards. That's rushing. as good a yeah. compliment as, as you can get for Alizé Mack if you're Alizé Mack right there. It's like the coaching staff's proud of you after really some up and down stuff. At Verdusco, Steve got to have Chris Fink back. I'm sorry, we already addressed this, but I included. Got to have Chris Fink back in 2019, correct? What I know a there's question? a lot of room, but uh, but he's great in the slot and dependable punt returner. Not to mention. A ton of grit. I'm, he's not asking this question in terms of he wants him back. Why is that a question? Why would Chris Fink not come back as your starting wide receiver and starting punt returner? Well, it's also a position where there's not really a backup. Yeah, well, Like, who's their second team slot? Joe Wilkins? And he's also said he wants to come back. But um, it, it, doesn't come up about, all boxes. it doesn't come up about other starting wide receivers that catch four passes for 80 yards and four first downs every time they get the ball and returns punts at almost 10 yards. Like, I want to know. I want to know why Chris Fink uh, is brought up. Former walk-on little guy. Maybe he thinks the Patriots are going to make a play. What other? <laughs> what other reason <laughs> would idea. there be? He did say last week, right? Yeah, that he, he wants. Said he he, he wants to. Yeah. I like to try to check him here late in the year. Yeah. Every once in a while, you're going to come back, right? Uh, yeah, 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 right. Just throw it out, <laughs> just throw it out on the there. Spot they can't. They have yeah. to react. Harrison Smith had the best ever. Somebody asked about senior. I don't care about senior day. I'm coming back. Like, oh, story. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Trankle sprung it on us last year on a Wednesday, yeah. right? No, uh, it was at the Echoes. Oh, okay. It was like what? Like oh. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He said it at the Echoes, and then he announced it at the Echoes, and then oh, that's right. We okay. talked about it after Nick Wisher also did the same. I think it, after it, a while. I was oh. in that tunnel back then. Tranquil, yeah. Tranquil yeah. is the anti-Carlton Scott. Yeah. <laughs> you what? You're coming back as opposed to the banquet with Carlton Scott. And good luck to Carlton in his draft. We looked at each other. Is, are we at war? What's yeah. going on? Why are you getting drafted? <laughs> there was, dip ninety eight. Do you think BK and Chip will try to outscore Syracuse and win forty seven forty two, or grind out long time long time consuming TD drives with Dexter and Jafar keeping the score down and winning 27-24. What's with this first name stuff? What are we at a, a press conference? <laughs> we're at a press conference. Yeah, right press conference? <laughs> well, you'll, you'll refer to this questioner as Mr. 98. Um, I, I don't think that they care. I mean, and I think this has much more to do. This is more of a question for Clark Lee, probably, right? I mean, will Notre Dame, would they like to score 47 points? Yes. But that doesn't mean that Syracuse needs to score 42 I think I'll try to win 47-20. Like, isn't they, that they, what no, but he's, he's, Actually, we'll try to shut but, them out, to be but, honest with you, but I don't think it'll happen. 
That's I, he, yeah, there. I mean, he's asking about yeah. a, a, an approach offensively. Oh, I think they'll go fast. Yeah, I, think I think they will too. I think too. they will too. Absolutely. I, mean, I think it's a it's a good question because he means what do they think they need to do with a good defense, and they think they need to score a lot of points to protect their good defense, and then the defense can kill Dungey and Syracuse if they have a lead. Right, because yes. if you have a you have a big lead, you you mitigate their ability to run the football if they're chasing. So not we, not completely because that's what they do, but you but you diminish the possibility of that if if they're chasing, you diminish the running game to some extent. We do get your question. Uh, Notre Dame football used to be terrible in high scoring games. Now with Ian Book and Chip Long, they're better. They're a little bit better at it, so I think they yeah, can, they can handle it. Now. They can yeah. score a lot, and right. the other team doesn't. Yeah. Well, they, the other team. Those are yeah. the good high scoring games. There, I will say there has not been a. Technically, there has not been a good high scoring a high scoring game under the two year new regime, whatever you want to call it, Elko Lee. Both ways. You don't need to play in high scoring yeah. games when your defense is good. Yeah, but they haven't allowed anything. But other than when they got I mean, let, it's going to be tough. It's it's. Yeah. I mean, no, I it's going to be tough to hold them Syracuse under four touchdowns. Feels like they're good for twenty, sort of in the twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Yeah, like you're going to need to score in the thirties to win. Right. But I think Notre Dame will probably score in right, the forties. Right. Right. And our last question from at Stangle Jamie: What is the biggest concern against Syracuse? I think they're the only team that walks out there with more than three touchdowns rolling out of bed. You know, everybody else you kind of put it at two and see if they get the third that Notre Dame has played this year. Every single one of them. Um, I don't feel that way about Syracuse because I think they roll out of bed with three. Living, breathing has been upgraded to capable senior. <laughs> capable senior and capable, confident, streaking senior as opposed to living, breathing people randomly. I don't know if I have a biggest concern. I mean, other than the ones, you know, we've talked about the... The run defense getting gashed up the middle for, like, kind of the vertical runs. Um, you know, can Dick Coleman build off what he did last week? I don't know what Ian Book's health might be worth monitoring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's, that too. Uh, well, that is number one, clearly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we're uh, we're checking Ian Book as, like, he's fine. And then the defense, I think, is just – they'll give up some stuff. But I don't think that I have some – it's not like a, a matchup where I look at it and it's like, well – Syracuse can can really win the game this way. They have some avenues to make it difficult on Notre Dame, but they have some avenues to win it. But you're not pinpointing the way that they well, think you, Notre Dame would uh, have to play poorly. They would have to contribute to their own demise. right. You don't look at Syracuse and say, "Okay, wow, it's going to be a difficult score." I mean, we assume 35 points, right? With oh, to, yeah. with, with, start. with book with with book. Yes, of course, book is number one. Syracuse is the best team Notre Dame's played since Michigan. They're different because they don't have that kind of defense. But they're the best. Oh, yeah. Would you agree? Sure they're they the best. I mean, uh, the sure. record says it, of course. But are they truly? They're better the, than Stanford, Virginia Tech, and um, Northwestern because Northwestern yes. doesn't stress you enough. Right. Now they lost to Pitt, but some yeah. of that is the Clemson. Well, yeah, but Pitt, I mean. So they're playing the second best team on their schedule. Play one, this year. We'll call it one game, and that makes them worse than Pitt. I mean, they, they lost to Pitt, probably came down a little bit after the Clemson game, losing to Pitt at home. You know, that's not an easy. And I they, think they're the second best Syracuse team. is good. Yeah. Yeah, Dino Babers is really good. Yeah, I, I mean, the I, best I think clearly. it's like from the coaching staff perspective, it's a big step up this week on the opposing side. No line. doubt. I mean, really stresses your defense, and uh, but you know, there, there isn't. I'm sure. I'm sure Chip Long feels like this is going to be a big day for our offense this week. They could win the Big Ten West, the Pac-12 South, and the ACC Coastal. And there's all a, the other opponents. Man, from, there's so. a lot at stake this weekend. <laughs> There's going to be so much social media trolling if Notre Dame goes twelve and zero, and then they're sitting at home watching Michigan Northwestern. <laughs> I just, I would just spend your time, entire night on Twitter. All right, folks, that's it for our Monday uh, podcast. We appreciate you joining us, and this has been the latest. What has this been the latest? Irish Illustrated Insider. This has been the latest. <laughs> I, this has been. 
the latest Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by two sponsors, Tanzeri Financial Services and Anderson, Augustino, and Keller. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.